Hey guys, welcome to the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. This is your host, as always, Steve Pintado. And with me, as always, is my main man, Jabron Curtis. What's going on, take Jibs? It's a good day in paradise. Just living another day without football. But life will go on. We got the combine, at least. Oh yeah, combine starts up tomorrow. A lot of fun like that. I'm, I'm having a pretty good day, too. Can't complain. Chilling in my new digs. Uh, you know, gotta love it. You know, being an adult, finally. Having my own... My own little place here, so love that. But we do have a special guest on tonight, real friend of the show, friend of me, uh, Nate from the We Know Fantasy Podcast. Hey, Nate, what's going on, bud? Oh, not too much. Again, uh, there's no football going on, but we we over here at We Know Fantasy keep it going with fantasy baseball, fantasy basketball, things of that nature. So a lot of stuff still going on our end, but it's great to be back here. It's been a little bit since I've been on the Coach's uh, Podcast, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back. Yeah, no, we appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, we know this is a pretty, you know, uh, special division for you, I know, because you are 49ers fan, so I know this is going to be a fun division to talk about with you. Yeah, it's uh, still a little raw to talk about, but I'll make, I'll make, it, I'll make it through with just a little bit of crying. <laughs> uh, so bad. I know, we feel bad for you, but, you know, there's always 2020, so, um, you know, you know, we're going to talk about the NFC West today, guys. You know, the you know the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the 49ers right at the end. And we're going to kind of, you know, talk some questions about each team individually here and see, you know, you know what kind of we saw from this past season that could lead up coming into your 2020 drafts. They're only six months away. Can't come sooner. So, you know, we're going to start with the first team on the list, and that was the team at the bottom of the division, which was the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, uh, we're going to start with the quarterback position first. You know, Kyle Murray, you know, was a big topic all offseason, whether or not he's going to be a fantasy stud or not. Had a pretty good season overall for a rookie, and, you know, he made some rookie mistakes, but overall a really good season for him. And, you know, the biggest question, you know, based off what you guys saw this last year, you know, does Kyle Murray, that guy, the year two quarterback, take the, the next step for us in 2020? Um, I'm going to assume he is. He has the talent there, and this is the new type of quarterback you want. Uh, if it is the NFL starting quarterback or your fantasy football quarterback who can run, uh, score those touchdowns, and get those rushing yards for you as well. But, you know, sophomore season here, getting more familiar with the system. Let's not forget last year he also had a rookie head coach who was first implementing his system in the NFL. Uh, along with that, a lot of young talent on that offense. Didn't really have a running game. Had to really, you know, halfway through the season got Kenyon Drake involved via trade, got that going, offensive line banged up, a lot of the young receivers, get that connection with, get those guys developed some more, so there's a lot of moving pieces there that are still very young and very develop, uh, developing together, so I think uh, it is only it's only right that those guys develop together, and you know, a lot of rumors are that the uh, Cardinals picking inside the top 10 aren't a target, a, uh, one of the big name wide receivers may be C.D. Lamb or you know Jerry Judy there uh, in the top 10, that would be a Big, big weapon for uh, you know Kyler Murray to add, and uh, if they are to add someone of that caliber, uh, you can only assume he'll take the next step. Yeah, Nate hit it right on the head. Like I, right now, I can see myself investing heavily in Kyler Murray next year, just on the fact that you know King, Cliff Kingsbury could, he loves to throw the ball. We saw the passing attempts, maybe the completions weren't as nice as we needed them to be, but he'll work on that on year two after he gets some more uh, seam transition into the NFL. And then the fact of the rushing ability, man, like we saw how much those rushing yards paid off for Lamar Jackson, and he threw in a nice little 500 yards plus rushing. And those points will all come in handy 
And the offense is only going to get better, especially if they get young receivers or they get third receivers that they have currently more acclimated into the offense. The sky's limited for Colin Murray. He finished QB7, and I expect similar things coming from this year, too. Yeah, he you know he's the he's the guy to take that next step. You know he, the best thing about him that I, I really like is he does have that rushing ability. He's not reckless with it either. You see him taking a lot of you know big runs, but you know he, he slides when he sees a co- top contact coming. So he knows when when to run and when not to run. I mean, he he has they need to improve the offensive line first, so just a little bit to keep him a little bit more safe in that pocket. He did have forty eight sacks this past season, so. I would hope they maybe try to get some kind of offensive line help in here. And he does have the wide receiver core to do it, especially the young guys coming up, uh, like Nate was talking about before. And if they happen to draft someone, that's even more to his benefit. And I think Larry Fitzgerald coming back, I think, is is a good thing for him. You know, just have that veteran guy in the field explain to him some things that he, he's seen through his career. And, you know, they're going to have a strong run game. So, and, you know, the defense probably won't be that good. They might improve a little bit, but... Uh, they're probably going to be behind in games still, which, you know, it's going to be good for Kyle Murray. He's going to throw the ball a lot in 2020. Now we'll go over to the running back situation, which we kind of just mentioned a little bit, had them having a real strong running game uh, going forward. But, you know, what do you guys make of this backfield now moving forward now? Um, you know, is David Johnson going to be the guy there? You know, Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds, Chase Edmonds is there. What do you guys think about the backfield? Well, Kenyon Drake's a free agent, so I don't think he'll be back. Yeah. Uh, you know, David Johnson... The team has made a statement that he's too good to release. Um, he'll be back. Chase Evans, of course, will serve as that backup to David Johnson. I think the team gives David Johnson another chance to try this. You know, at one point he was the, the, the RB1 in fantasy football. I know it's been a, a few years, but he has that potential, you know, the pass-catching potential of the backfield. He hasn't been healthy fully since. Uh, maybe this is the year he finally gets back to that. Um in this system, he's ideal for it. Uh, last year, I fell in love with him because of that, and it really, uh, you know, uh, shot myself in the foot with taking him early in some drafts because of that. Loved him. You know, it's hard to project. Last year, they made that trade for Kenyon Drake, bring him in. Uh, I see Kenyon Drake on his way out, uh, even though he did have a fantastic second half of the season after moving over from Miami. But again, he probably won't be there, so I think you'll see David Johnson chase Edmonds and then a free agent uh, mix match in there somewhere. So I think David Johnson gets the. Uh, gets a chance once more to see what he can do and hopefully this is the year that he can uh you know finally get those those wheels turned in the right direction and, and stay healthy and, and show what he can really do yeah i just hope it's not like last year we saw what happened to all the david johnson owners they were very frustrated seeing how kendrick was seamlessly involved in the offense but i believe david johnson does has his shot to be involved heavily in the offense hopefully Kenyon drake and them part ways and We'll look forward to seeing if David Johnson can return to RB1 glory. And then Kenyon Drake, even if he does go somewhere else, I think he'll be very serviceable. We saw how electric he was catching and receiving the back. He looked like he could take the whole rushing load, not just like a portion of it like Adam Gase used him in Miami. So we'll see how things go from there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I have a strong feeling that they might bring Kenyon Drake back. It, it really doesn't make sense for them to do it money-wise because they already pay a top back in there. But if they happen to bring him back, that would be interesting. But just based off David Johnson by himself, guys, I think he was super underrated um, compared to what we really saw from him through an entire season because, you know, through the first six games, he actually was RB7 and playing very well, which is you just didn't really notice that at first because, you know, you expected bigger games from him. But he was actually RB7, and once his injury hit, I think it was just at that point, 
you know, he just wasn't the same player the rest of the season. And you know, sometimes when you're banged up like that, you just you can't get back to get back to form in just a year, and you you need time to heal and rest. And it's kind of why we saw at that point, you know, Kenyon Drake kind of holding that workload later in the season because it just seemed like it seemed kind of pointless just throw David Johnson out there to you know, risk more injury. But I kind of could see Kenyon Drake kind of coming back, playing those earlier downs. Well, you know, David Johnson might have that kind of more of a you know, pass catching role being more of like a hybrid wide receiver running back. It sounds kind of weird to say, but you know, it's possible. And David Johnson has been known to catch the ball in the backfield, but you know, more than likely, it's probably going to be just David Johnson, and and you're probably going to be able to get him in the third round, and it could be a sneaky, you know, RB one for you if you're if you're taking that you know wide receiver approach heavily in your drafts. Yeah, I think you can sneak in there as a. He's going to be a later round pick this year. Uh, last year, he still had like you know first or second round, uh, you know draft uh, ADP tagged on him. But next year, he's definitely going to be a lower pick that you can definitely benefit on if he is to stay healthy. Yeah, definitely. I remember him like I'll like get him at the end of the first round. And it's going to be a steal for your team. So maybe a third round might be the right steal. So, but we'll move over to the next position, and it's the wide receiver position, guys. And you know the biggest thing probably is you know. Christian Kirk um, kind of and didn't step up in the way we really thought he would step up, but you know, still a decent season overall. Can year three Christian Kirk make that huge jump? Yeah, wide receiver is you know the hardest position to you know really transition from college to the NFL, and then you know year one to year two to year three. Year three is really where they really start taking off. Um, unless you're like an exceptional talent, then you really start kicking off first or second year. But Christian Kirk is a very good talent. You know, he didn't have the benefit of the doubt, whereas rookie season and sophomore season were different coaches, different systems. So he's kind of resetting things there in the sophomore season. So this is kind of like his, his second sophomore season, um, second quarterback, second head coach, second system, uh, doing it all over again. You know, has uh, Larry Fitzgerald as his mentor across from him for this uh, now third year. That's beneficial. Uh, love that for him. I think he takes a big jump this year. Kyler Murray, sophomore year. We talked about him taking his next step. Uh, maybe they bring in another person, uh, a C.D. Lamb, a Jerry Judy. You know, uh, Larry is, you know, not Larry of past. So you have Christian Kirk opposite C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy. Fantastic receiving court there. Uh, you throw the likes of Andy Isabel, the speeds, they're there. Um, ready to go to college, UMass, I believe. Yeah. And... You know, uh, he's a dynasty kind of a sleeper, I guess you'd say, except he's kind of overly hyped right now because of that speed he's, he flashes. Uh, you know, he, he's very fast, very good at slot. And then Hakeem Butler was another late-round uh, rookie they took last year, a lot of potential there and stuff of that nature. But, yeah, the real story here is Christian Kirk. Can he make the step? I believe he does. Uh, this team's trading the right direction. Their offense, at least, I think. Uh, I think it really is the year for Christian Kirk. And if you're a dynasty owner and have this guy, you're going to be a pretty happy person this year. Yeah, I like. I love Christian Kirk as a talent and a player, but I just think there's too many mouths to feed in the offense for him to be a very strong wide receiver too. I could see him be uh, a decent wide receiver too, especially in PPR leagues. But I just think to seeing some of the play and. Uh, Nate said the Hawking Butler was even in the offensive last year, so I want to see what he could do. That's a young guy that I'm very interested in. But at the end of the day, I don't see the hype either. Yeah, you know, I, I do like Christian Kirk, the talent. I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, that they can get him the ball more on a consistent basis. Uh, you know, he had more yards this year, but his touchdowns will low. So you would assume, hopefully, that those touchdowns will go up. And he got all three of his touchdowns in just one game all season. It was... 
It was mm-hmm. nuts. I remember talking about it, and it was like, oh, Christian Kirk hasn't scored any touchdowns. He's going to score one. He's going to score one. And then he scores three, and then you don't hear him from the rest of the season. So as long as he gets a little bit more consistent on his targets, I mean, he was injured at some point this season, so that kind of throws off his you know, chemistry with Kyle Murray for you know a year. So hopefully the whole offseason kind of gets them together. You know, Larry coming back, I think, is just a good thing for him. I don't think Larry's going to be that guy who's going to be a wide receiver three anymore. I think he's just kind of that fill-in guy, more of a veteran presence on the team. And I'd like to see the young guy step up because, you know, the Cardinals, like, late season for some reason, like, didn't play their rookies. I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but, like, Keyshawn Johnson was played very much early on and then kind of did nothing the rest of the half of the season. Andy Isabella played minimal at best in certain games the rest of the season through the after the week eight i mean it was it was just very weird and then no hakeem butler so i'd like to see one of these guys step up because they all have their own talents in their own way especially butler because i have him on my dynasty team but uh (laughs) uh, i i think he could be a a real asset to this team if if once he gets on the field so um in terms of you know christian kirk himself i think he has a chance to be that wide receiver too it just it really just depends on that chemistry he has with murray and then, well, the last question, guys, I kind of talked about it already myself, but who do you guys like out of those young guys, you know, out of Butler and Bella or Keyshawn Johnson? Uh, I, I guess, you know, Butler, his size and, you know, his talents really intrigue me, but, you know, something about Isabella really catches my eye. Just a combination of speed and uh, the pizzazz he has, I guess is a word I'm looking for here. Just something you don't see in the game every single day. Uh, you know, I'd like to see him get more and more into the into the offense and the system, uh, like you know what the Patriots have been doing up there in New England. He's that type of guy. He's pretty much ideal for that. I think he'll be perfect here for the Cliff Kingsbury system, and I like to see what he does moving forward. For me, it's still Butler. Man, this guy's six foot five, about two hundred twenty-five pounds. He got almost eleven inch hands. It's just you don't you don't teach size out in any sport. And this guy could go up and get the ball, be like your new Kenny Galladay, but be on the Arizona Cardinals, of course. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he has there. Nate, you definitely bring up a good point about Andy Isabella. He definitely did pay his dues last year, getting some work in the offense, and I did like this what I saw from him on the field as well. And it's going to be a young, and it's going to be a revolving door of uh, offense, but Cliff Kingsbury says he likes to run four wide receiver sets, so someone has to get some pieces out of it. Yeah, someone has to, someone, someone will step up at some point. Hopefully it is, you know, who we all think it is going to be. I'm um, not going to really mention the tight ends, guys, because it's Charles Clay, and he's actually a free agent. I mean, there's Maximel Williams, I mean, None of these guys really string fantasy-relevant past this season. I mean, so I'm really not going to mention them too much unless they bring somebody in uh, this offseason. So we're going to go right over to the Seattle Seahawks now. Uh, they were a fun, interesting team this year in fantasy. A lot of fantasy-relevant players on this team. And, you know, we're going to start with the quarterback position, as always, because it seems to be the most important position in, you know, in the NFL. Maybe not in fantasy, but in the NFL. Uh, what is Wilson's uh, Russell Wilson's uh, value, guys, going to drafts next year? He was kind of like a later round pick this past season, but kind of really stepped up, stepped up and played a great year. So, where do you guys value him going next year? If we're talking, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, redrafts, he's uh, he's a top five quarterback in my opinion. Has to be drafted as such. Whoever that falls, I'm not the guy to ask about you know redraft quarterbacks because I fade quarterbacks constantly in redraft leagues. Anyways, wherever you would draft a top five quarterback and, and redraft is where I would, you know, pin Russell Wilson. I agree with your take, too. I feel like that QB 6-7, I mean, 5-7 range is like a nice spot if you want to get someone that's 
have a quality starter who could have some potential to be within the top three. And Russell Wilson definitely fits that scheme. He drives me nuts because he could have those 40-point games, but then, like, he just has some complete duds for his standards. But I, Russell Wilson's a perfect quarterback if you want to just kind of wait and just get, wait and see, get, build your roster up, get your two running backs, wide receivers, your tight end, uh, quality flex, and then, boom, you got your quarterback and you're good to go rather than taking the Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes approach. Yeah, definitely. I, I like Russell Wilson a lot. I think I think I have him right now in my rankings around quarterback five, maybe quarterback four. You know, I, I like his you know ability to be able to rush the ball still. It's not as much you know in his early days, but he can get you a solid three to four hundred yards still. Uh, you know, he can kind of skip around the pocket. He's got I think a solid pair of wide receivers right now to to roll with. You know, they did bring bring in Greg Olson. Hopefully, Will Disley can come back and stay healthy. So you know, he's got the weapons around him. Again, also the run game is banged up at some point during the season, too, so hopefully those can kind of help him out a little bit. They just need to get the offensive offensive line kind of healthy and get someone else in there because that's their shaky part of their offense and kind of why, you know, sometimes Russell had some bad games because in some of his bad games he had play against some strong defensive lines like the Eagles, the 49ers. He played poor against those teams because they just pass-rushed him all day and kind of got him off his rhythm, so... and. You know, besides that, I mean, he's just a dominant fantasy quarterback. And again, around that, you know, I'd probably say around 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 six to eight, or probably the where you usually take a quarterback five. So, uh, right there, I think is a solid spot for Russell Wilson uh, going into next season. How long are we going to talk about? Uh, you know, the Seahawks needing to address their offensive line for probably years. I feel like it's been every every season for the last twelve years. Well, as long as Russell Wilson keeps throwing 30-plus touchdowns a season, I don't think they're going to do much about that. There you go, the point there. As long as, he get out of, as long as he get away from the pocket, that's the only thing he can do. Luckily enough, he's like that. But we'll go over to the next position now, and that's the running backs, guys. And, you know, the biggest question going into next year, maybe it's not even a question at this point. I mean, you know, you know, does Chris Carson keep that job, or can, you know, Rashad Penny kind of take that away from going into 2020 both guys injured unfortunately Carson had a great season Penny injury ridden season but kind of flashing a couple points in the game during the season but again both ended the season on the IR uh, any chance Penny jumps for Carson uh you know Carson keeps benefiting from Penny's injuries because Carson fumbles the ball so much what do you see I think it's seven or eight fumbles last season which is a dumb amount you can't be doing that somehow he's still starting NFL games uh you know if Penny can stay healthy he's definitely gonna take over more and more snaps it's just he keeps getting injured that he keeps uh, you know losing those opportunities he played what 10 games last year ran the ball 65 times <clears throat> like uh Steven just said showed some flashes here or there when he could uh you know Carson does run the ball very well but when you're giving the ball away seven times a season in the 15 games you're playing that is not good because of this, he's going to give up opportunities, and it's only a matter of time before Petty jumps on this. But I just don't see Petty staying healthy because we've seen, what, two years of this already, and uh, he hasn't been able to play 16 games yet. Uh, I mean, I guess the same can be said for uh, Carson. He's had to play 16 games in three seasons, but uh, I still think it's Carson's job to have, although he's fumbling away the opportunity. I don't see Penny taking the leap yet over Carson because of his injury. Was His injury was more severe. Pete Carroll came out this week and said he's probably going to begin on the PUP list. 
So that's not really looking optimistic. It was an ACL injury that was late in the year. So I just don't see him being back at the start of the season. And that being said, though, also he'll need time to get more acclimated into the game, get in NFL shape. So I still see it's Chris Carson's job, and he's not going to lose it anytime soon. But Penny did show some promise. He looked better than he did in his rookie year. He had some... He had minimum production at a point of the year, but he was still getting very good yards per carry, making very use of his short attempts with good efficiency. So he has a he has everything he needs to take the job, but it's just all about staying healthy. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you guys completely. I think Carson is just going to keep this job next year. I mean, you know, in the games he played, only three of them were under 50 yards rushing. I mean, in one of those games he was hurt. I mean, he outsnapped everyone on the running back core there you know 700 snaps for him compared to the next guy at 150 I mean this guy has the backfield yes Penny is talented but he's got to be on the field to have a chance to take down Carson and the time that Penny actually showed some flash was against I believe the Eagles and I think the 49ers I believe the Cardinals I mean Carson was banged up and I think out of portions of those games so it's Carson's backfield guys don't think twice about it I think he's just a solid running back going into your drafts next year and then we'll go over to the next position, and it's the wide receiver position, guys. And another young guy, can he take a you know a leap over the veteran? And it's DK Metcalf uh, taking a shot at you know Kyle Lockett for the number one job. Uh, based off what you guys saw this year, do you think that's possible? Uh, I don't think it's possible just because the way these guys play the position. Tyler Lockett is your you know hundred plus target. Man, you know, going to catch the ball 80, 90 times a season and get 1,100, you know, <clears throat> 1,100 yards, 1,000 yards, you know, flirt with 10 touchdowns. That's just not DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is stretched the field, jump ball, you know, big play guy who's going to catch, you know, 50, 60 balls, uh, you know, do it for 800 yards and score some touchdowns in the process. It's just the way these guys are made and how they complement each other. That's just how it happens. And when you're looking at stats that way, Tyler Lockett's going to remain the number one, you know, wide receiver uh, in that aspect. But if you want to boil it down to talent, you could be DK Metcalf being the wide receiver one. But if we're looking at paper, it's going to be Tyler Lockett for as long as these two are uh, teammates. I'm going to take a Tyler Lockett as well, even though DK Metcalf showed promise towards the end of the year and Russell Wilson kind of leaned on him while he, Tyler Lockett was synonymously like just we needed the APB out for him because he was not getting any production. But at the end of the day, he is that slot receiver. He will be Russell Wilson's go-to guy other than his tight ends. And I think that um, that production is more going to be more reliable to fantasy owners rather than deep bombs and the touchdowns. So I'm taking Lockett. But Metcalf, like he, did, he showed me a lot last year, and I believe he will be that number one one day. But we'll see. I, I still got locked in on my my team. I really want to lead towards Metcalf. You know, I know these guys play different positions, so they're going to have their their games. And I think these guys both can be real productive next year in fantasy football for us. But I don't know why. I like I like Metcalf's style. I like what I was able to see from him on the field this year. I mean, during the second half, he was targeted ten more times overall. I mean. He played very similar snaps to Tyler Lockett in the second half of the season. And, you know, he wasn't too far off on targets either uh, for being a rookie out there. And, you know, there's no one else really to compete with these guys for targets, really, besides the tight end position that seems to continually just get hurt time after time and the running backs. So, I mean, uh, there's a good chance I think Metcalf could, you know, take over that number one role in some sense. You know, he could maybe not get as many, you know, 
you know, receptions as Lockett or something like that, but he could easily just beat him out in yards and touchdowns and kind of be that, you know, 1A, my guy kind of player for Russell Wilson. Now we'll go over to the tight end position as we just talked about how injury-risen they have been. And, you know, we got players to talk about here, you know, Will Disley and Jacob Hollister, and I kind of threw in Greg Olson, guys. He wasn't on, you know, my list originally, but kind of signed in the time frame there. So uh, can Will, you know, we can probably assume that Olsen or Disley is going to be a starter next year, guys. Yeah, Greg Olson is very interesting. I know, you know, it's been what three, possibly four seasons since he's been relevant, since he's been injury or injury free. And Will Disley, when he's on the field as well, has been, you know, fantastic for the. Uh, excuse me for uh, uh, you know Russell Wilson, but he keeps getting injured himself. Last season, Olson played fourteen games on eighty-two targets, and this was without. Cam Newton in the, uh, on the field. If he can play 14 games for Seattle here, we know how much Russell Wilson loves the tight end. Uh, remember when Jimmy Graham was there, he absolutely relied on Jimmy Graham so much and absolutely loved him. So if we have someone like Greg uh, Olson, who, you know, uh, let's see, he's going to be, what, 35 when the season starts? <clears throat> no, he'll be 34. Yeah, 35 when the season starts. Uh, you know, up there in age, this is season 13, 14 for him. Um, don't know how much left in the tank, but the Seahawks see something because they gave him a decent chunk of change to do this, you know, for him at this point of his career. And I think they see something, you know, Will Disley can't stay healthy. Jacob Hollister, I believe, was a free agent. Uh, and not much was going on there. Uh, Disley, what, did he, like, blow his Achilles tendon or something like that? So he did, that's, yeah. not a, that's not an easy injury to recover from. Uh, so I think it's Olsen's job, you know, just give someone, was it, $8 million? to come in to uh, do nothing. I think Disley makes like probably what, like 1.2, something like that. Uh, so um, I think it's Greg Olson's job. I think he has a fantastic season. I'm all over this guy. Uh, you know, he's been vocal about his health. Last year he was vocal about his health. Had decent season, 600 yards, only two touchdowns. But again, that, that uh, Carolina team was, you know, subpar because of Cam Newton's injury and what they had there with, uh, you know, CMC just touches the ball 500 times a game. So uh, I'm very excited to see what Greg Olson does in Seattle next year. If Disley, if, well, I guess Greg Olson, I think Greg Olson's going to be a starter. But if Disley was there by himself, I would still draft him because he's a touchdown magnet. And even if you combine Disley and Jacobs Hollister's production from last year, he would have been good enough for the tight end eight spot. I like whatever tight end is coming out of Seattle because Russell Wilson likes to throw it to him, and these are like the kind of ugly rocks of the fantasy community and if anyone wants to shower them with praise i'm gonna take that guy yeah Jeez. i apologize i want to jump here i said uh, disney probably makes 1.2 million this year it makes 660,000. so double up you never know but yeah i mean i'm kind of torn between these guys i mean to be honest you really want whoever the starter really is in seattle and then when he's not the starter and gets hurt you want the next guy no matter what you you spend money to get the next guy i mean whoever becomes a starter and it's probably going to be olsen uh we'll probably know more by time camp comes around but whoever is the starter is someone you guys want on your fantasy teams is is they're just so dominant, and even, you know, we've seen Greg Olson do it time after time over at Carolina and Chicago. He's been a stud over the years, and if it happens to we Will Disley, I mean, in this 10 games he actually did play in his career over the last two seasons, six of them have been tight end one kind of game. So, 
Uh, you want the tight end position, and more than likely Jacob Hollister won't be there next year because he is a free agent, so they're probably not going to re-sign him. So between these two, I mean, you have yourself a tight end one all season long. Whoever is the real starter, like I said, it's probably going to be Olsen, but whoever it is, it's going to be a tight end one for your team, and you're going to want to draft the Seattle Seahawks starter tight end. Let's keep moving on. We'll go over to the next team now, and that's the Los Angeles Rams. And what a season they had. Kind of disappointment to some people, and some people kind of surprised us. And we'll start with the biggest guy of maybe, I would say, a disappointment. But Jared Goff finished uh, quarterback 15, had some good moments, had some really bad moments. Uh, where do you guys value Goff going into next year now after this year? All right, you finished quarterback 15, I think you said. But, uh, you know, the team played very well the second half of the season. They were actually in a playoff fight for a little bit there um, towards the end of the season. I think it actually came down to the final week of the season. Uh, if we look here, uh, uh, let's see, from week 12 on, he had 424 yards, 293, 284, 323, 319. All of those two-plus touchdown games. Before that, there were some bad games. A lot of this has to do, you know, with the running game being, you know, pretty much taken away from him. Not much happening there. The defense is uh, totally different. Offensive line beaten up. I still think the talent is there. I love Jared Goff. I've been very vocal about how much I like Jared Goff since he's been drafted. Uh, there's nothing to panic about here. This is uh, that classic Super Bowl hangover. Started the season slow, then started coming back on. They were very good down the stretch. Like I just said, almost made the playoffs. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they were, they were uh, what was it, a win or maybe two wins uh, away from getting to the playoffs this year after starting absolutely horrible. This season they went on a pretty good win streak. I, I just said Jared Goff's stats there. For the second of the season, uh, they still have Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, you know Brandon Cooks, and then their tight end duo I love there. Uh, this is a very good team. Nothing to worry about here, guys. You know, one down year isn't really going to, uh, you know, offset things here. It wasn't really that down. It was just one half of a down year, so... I still value Jared Cook, uh, Jared Cook, Jared Goff, probably around like a quarterback 12. I'm not going to say he's a top 10 quarterback because he doesn't get your rushing yards. He's a pocket guy. But if you're uh, if you're a guy who waits uh, to the last possible second, get yourself a starting quarterback for your baseball team, Jared Goff could be a suitable guy for you guys next year at a very discounted rate. Still the words right out of my mouth, Nate. This guy threw for more than 4,000 4, through uh 638 yards. You don't find that production that much anywhere. He did have a stale year towards the middle of the year, like, but you said he did pick up the pace. He got his tight ends evolved. He got a lot of the offensive pieces evolved, besides Brandon Cooks. <laughs> but he's just he's like shopping at Target. You're going to get some nice value. You're going to get a nice-looking quarterback. You're going to get good production at a meaningless cost. So like, if you miss out on the Russell Wilson, man, I'm in person Jerry Goff. may face some... I guess like some lesser competition given the fact that they finished third in the division so things could be looking up well Nate I'm going to take your San Francisco card away talking all this hype about Jared Goff (laughs) can't be doing that it's weird because I'm such a big Larry Fitzgerald fan too like I don't own a single jersey outside of my favorite teams any sport but I have a Larry Fitzgerald jersey hanging in my closet and I love Jared Goff so it makes no sense that all my favorite players outside of the 49ers are in the NFC West uh, it is what it is. I mean, Larry, Larry is, a, is a Hall of Famer god. So, but as far as Jared Goff, 
I mean, I think he's a late-round guy that you could take and have that, you know, opportunity for him to do well. Kind of like a Dak Prescott who was a late-round guy last year and did very well. Um, you know, you know, his touchdown and interception ratio kind of concerns me a little bit. You know, he kind of regressed in throwing more touchdowns and threw more picks last year. But he did throw for 4,000 yards, and he does have, you know, that Sean McVay offense. And he has the talent around him to do very well. Like, everything on paper shows that Jared Goff should be an amazing quarterback. But, you know, sitting at, you know, quarterback 15, there's a reason for that. And again, if you want to take him in the later round pick, I think it's a great, you know, sleeper value to him where he could, you know, provide that, you know, high ceiling. But, you know, you just take a risk with him. So you, you pair him with someone who's a little more consistent, like a Matthew Stafford or Big Ben that you can also get late. So uh, Jared Goff, I think, is, is definitely a, a later round quarterback in my eyes right now. But moving right on to the running backs and... I mean, Todd Gurley, guys, is he someone who could stay as a, I don't know if he's even RB1 at this point, RB1 or high-end RB2, or does, you know, Darrell Henderson maybe get more involved next year? If we take a look at this, you know, I still classify him as an RB1. He had 12 touchdowns last year. Maybe we'll look over that. 12 rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns, 14 touchdowns total. Not many running backs are going to do that. He had 857 yards. He only ran the ball 223 times. I still That's in six, or 15 games, missed a game. Uh, his average is down. But, you know, this was kind of off the heels of that hip injury, uh, the arthritis of the knees. What's going to happen with this guy? We really don't know. We do know what's going to happen now, so his value is going to be decreased a little bit, and you're going to get him right where you want to get him. Uh, instead of, you know, not knowing exactly where you're going to get a Todd Gurley, you know exactly where to get him now. So... He's going to be that, on that border of a RB1, maybe RB2, but he's an RB1 in my eyes. I expect him to have a better year next year, uh, maybe back to a 1,000-yard rusher, but you're getting 14 touchdowns out of this guy. Um, I'm expecting a better season out of the Rams next year, just as I said with golf, so uh, maybe more touchdowns next year. So he is definitely an RB1 for me moving forward. I agree. He's going to be RB1 in my opinion as well. I don't think the community will view him as an RB or as RB1. But at the end of the day, you're still going to get a discounted Todd Gurley. This guy finished number one in standard, one in standard, two years straight, and the top five in PPR both years besides last year. So if you get someone in the second round and he can fill in your RB2 spot and you say you get like a high-end wide receiver one or you just go dual running back out and come Todd Gurley, man, I think that's a dynamic deal to start your team off with. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to get a, you know, Todd Gurley at a discount this year. Uh, you know, he was kind of held in check in the beginning of the season, but kind of opened up late in the season, kind of why they went on that kind of like late season fantasy run of being very productive. Uh, you know, 12 touchdowns is amazing, you know, and it kind of puts you at that RB1 situation right there. Uh, you know, as long as his knee holds up, I think he could be an RB1. You know, I don't think Darrell Henderson is actually going to. Uh, you know, surpass him or anything unless injury occur. I do think Darrell Henderson gets a little more work in this coming season because I think Malcolm Brown, guys, and I was looking at when I was doing my research, that he could be a surprise cut candidate. I mean, he was productive this past season, you know, knows the offense, but if they cut him after June 1st, they could save a million dollars on their, you know, salary contracts and everything. So I don't know much about those kind of things offhand, but, I mean, that could be an interesting situation, and Darrell Henderson kind of jumps up. But for Todd Gurley, uh, as long as he can stay healthy, there's no reason why he can't be a you know at least a low end RB one for us. 
but we'll move right along into the wide receivers and tight ends. And I kind of combine this scenario because at this point, everyone seems to be catching the ball here in, in, in L.A. And um, basically, guys, how do you guys rank these pass catchers for our fantasy teams? All right. Do you want me to do this like combined or you want me to do like wide receivers and then tight ends? You can do a combined. All right. Um, I think you have to go, you know, a healthy Cooper Cups, number one. Uh, and then you want to go – it's so hard because Brandon Cooks, besides last season, has never, you know, not had 1,000 yards in a season. You know, I'm just hyping up this Rams team, saying they're going to have a better season next year. Knock me down so just Brandon Cooks, you know, get back on the form and have 1,000 yards again next season. Uh, I don't know about that. Robert Woods would then take a backseat there. Tyler Higby had a crazy second half of the season last year. Uh, you know, I have to go – I have to go like a T2 here with Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks and throw Tyler Higby and Joe Ever and that thing, but uh, the person owned here is Cooper Cup. Healthy Cooper Cup can't be uh, questioned here, but then beyond that, it's kind of crapshoot. Uh, Woods, Cooks, you know, interchangeable. Like, uh, like uh, it was mentioned earlier, Cooks really was not a part of this team last year, but uh, historically speaking, he's a big part of this team, big part of any team he's been on his entire NFL career. So it's hard to count him out moving forward. For me, I'm going to go with Cup, then Woods, followed by, oh, man, such, I'm splitting hairs on these tight ends. I'm going to go with Higby because he was a hot hand towards the end of last year, even though Edward is a god during fancy talent. And then I'm going to go Cooks and Edward, yeah. even though it hurts me. Like Nate said, it's a crapshoot dealing with Cooks. You don't know if a concussion could just, like, level his uh, career out. And then Everett, like I said, he's a very good fancy prospect in profile. He has a good profile, but he just got hurt. And Higby looks like he could just do more. He could block. He could catch. He proved that last year. And then Cups, just that dynamic guy. Jared Goff just loves him. He's always Johnny on the spot. And then I just like Woods because he's just a very reliable, consistent receiver. Yeah, I mean, I went Cups. Cup, Woods, Higby. And Cooks is the Cooks and Higby kind of that 1A, 1B kind of scenario, or 3A and 3B, and then Everett last. I mean, Everett, as as productive as he was last year, I think he's kind of just out now, unfortunately, with Higby's rise this past, like, second half of the season. Cups, you know, when healthy, is a true, like, great wide receiver for this team, and he has a great connection with Jared Goff. Woods is just a, you know, just a, just a solid wide receiver you can rely on week in and week out. It just hopefully gets those touchdowns this coming season. Higby, I mean, it'd be really interesting to see how they incorporate Higby in this offense, you know, with everyone healthier, hopefully, going into next year. I mean, he was just so dominant, just saw so many targets last year with everyone on the field. And then Cooks, we, you know, Nate talked about it, and he has been a thousand-yard guy with three different teams over the last four years now. I mean, it's hard to count him out, but if those injuries continue to happen and he gets another concussion, it's really unsure how his value goes moving forward. So it's like pulling straws with these guys. Anyone at any time can kind of just go off. We will finish up with the Rams there. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's really a crapshoot when it comes to who you really want to start with week in and week out when these wide receivers and tight ends combine. I mean, all of them have great talents, and all of them could at one point be the number one player on their team in a certain week. So. But we'll go over to Nate's favorite team, and that's the 49ers. And oof, I don't even want to say anything negative for Nate comes at me here, but... We'll start with the quarterback situation, and, you know, the biggest question is, can Jimmy G be a more consistent fantasy quarterback next year, guys? 
All right, luckily I go first, so I'll get all the positive stuff out of the way, and then you guys can follow the negative stuff. No. Uh, you know, Jimmy G is not a fancy quarterback, so don't draft him as such. You know, 4,000 yards last year, 26 or 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's not a fancy football. You know, if you're a one quarterback league, two quarterback league, sure. One quarterback league, you don't want this guy. This is a run first, uh, you know, team. Kyle Shannon's systems are always going to be run first with the uh, talent in the backfield and how many times they rush the ball, except in the Super Bowl when they're leading, they want to throw the ball. I don't understand. Um, but they're going to want to run the ball as much as possible. So uh, I don't believe Jimmy G can be a more consistent quarterback in fantasy. I can believe him to be a more consistent quarterback in the terms of what the team needs in the NFL. But when it comes to fantasy football, I am skipping on Jimmy G. I'm, stick- uh, I'm skipping on him too. I just don't believe with the San Francisco's offensive philosophy being to run the ball as often as they do will allow them to be in such good shape to get actual good passing stats. He scored touchdowns, we know that. He had some good games last year as well. But I just think that when the uh, San Francisco played high-caliber offensive teams, that kind of forced Jimmy G to open up, play, I mean, open up his playbook and actually compete to a higher level. So... If they're playing cupcake teams, I just don't think he will just have that good of consistent production. So, two QB league, go ahead, knock yourself out. Yeah, in a one-quarterback league, I'm not a big fan of Jimmy G. I mean, he had five games over 20 fantasy points, and, and three of those games he versed the Cardinals two times and then the Bengals once. I mean, it's nothing to be impressed about. Everyone can seem to have done that last year for the most part. And this is a run-first team. It will be interesting. Did they go over 20 against the Saints? Yeah, he had over 20. That was, that was one of those big games, I'm pretty sure. Oh, you said five. No, he only had five, I believe, right? I think so. Yeah, five. Five games. Only five games, guys. Um, that was over 20 fantasy points. But again, this is a run-first team. Um, again, it might be interesting to see if maybe Jared McKinnon, that Jared McKinnon comes back, and he's kind of more of that like, pass-catching back, so maybe that could kind of boost his stats a little bit, you know, throwing to him a little bit more, having that extra weapon on the field. But... You know, in just in general sense, I mean, he isn't somebody you guys want to draft. He isn't going to be your starting quarterback for the season. If you want to take him as a backup and see what he happens, then yeah, sure, why not? I mean, he's got a, he's got weapons there, but again, this is a run first team. So Jimmy G, kind of off your guys' radar, should be in your twenty twenty drafts. But moving over to the position we keep talking about constantly, and that's the running game, guys. And what do you guys make of this backfield come next season now? All right, so Matt Breda won't be part of that. He'll be on the move. He's going to warrant too much money, and rightfully so. Um, Jeremy Kidd has recently, <coughs> excuse me, has recently restructured his contract to save the team some more money. So he'll be part of that. Tevin Coleman, of course, and Raheem Moster are under contract. Part of me wants to believe that the 49ers are going to make a play for Melvin Gordon. Uh, because of this system of three down back would put this team over the top because it is so at that point would be so um, you can't know what they're doing if they have the same running back in the backfield say you know if they have Tevin Coleman in the game you kind of know what they're going to do if, if Raheem Moser's in the game you know what they're going to do uh, you know if you throw McKinnon in there you know what they're going to do but if you have uh, you know Melvin Gordon who will play every single down you don't know what they're going to do uh, of course they have they have uh, you know they have a cap issue at this point and they still have a lot of other positions they need to address but at this point if it is Moser, Coleman, McKinnon I think uh, I think it's going to be a you know run back by committee. That's right. What's going to happen? It's hard to uh, you know pick which one's going to happen or who to own for the week to come. You know, Mostert. You know, towards the end of the 
the season was unbelievable. You know, had a, a record-breaking performance in the NFC Championship game. You know, Coleman had some huge games, four-touchdown game against the uh, Green Bay Packers. And Jeremy McKinnon, uh, he's had to play for the 49ers in the uh, two seasons he's, uh, you know, been signed with the team. But, you know, he was one of Kyle Shanahan's first signings, and they gave him a big contract because of what they expect him to do and how well he fit with the system. So you can spend big things on him. But this is a, you know, a backfield I'm kind of scared to touch, especially now. You know, last year I was kind of know what to do. Uh, you know, with Matt Breida out and Jeremy McKinnon getting in and being healthy, I'm even more scared. Uh, I really don't know what to do, so I'm kind of staying away from this. Oh, basically all of that. And a quick summary, it's a mess for me. I don't want nothing to do with anybody until training camp starts and we get some cuts and all that good stuff. But there's definitely a great productive gold mine for whoever does get the starting gig or whoever has the most attempts there. So I'm looking forward to see who will end up on top. But until that, it's a waiting game. Yes. Um, you guys know who your leading, uh, rush, leading ru- running back in snaps was last year, Nate? Off the top of my head, I uh, probably couldn't even tell you. Maybe, uh, maybe, geez, Tevin Coleman? Nope. Kyle Juszczyk was your most used running oh, back yeah, in snaps. That's a question. Come on, man. <laughs> I think it was Coleman. I know, I think it was Mostert second, I think, after that point. <laughs> of course it'd be, you know, it'd be juiced, dude. <laughs> but, yeah, guys, this back was a mess. I mean, these are guys you take in the eighth and ninth round and hope that one of them breaks out or does something. I mean, we obviously saw Mostert being a little bit more productive, so he may go higher in drafts just for that sake. Uh, but, again, you never know. Most of did good last season, but maybe next year it's Tevin Coleman with the hot hand. Jared McKinnon's coming back. Maybe he gets the hot hand. You know, they talked about using him in the passing down. You, know, you just don't really know. Um, but, again, these guys, you're going to take in that 7 to 10 range and hope that one of them kind of really breaks out because they are they were so similar in everything they did. It just one was more efficient, and it could be good this season, but next season it could be someone else. So, guys, try to stay away from these guys. Don't rely on these guys to be your – RB2s or anything like that, or even an RB3 for that matter. Uh, just keep these guys kind of off your radar, but if they fall enough, take a shot on one of them because they could do very well for you in fantasy. And then we'll go over right to the wide receiver position, guys. And, you know, there was some good good play this year, and, and probably one of the biggest questions is can Debo Samuels, you know, make that consistent jump to a consistent wide receiver too, or do you see anyone else possibly step, stepping up in this team? Um, if Emmanuel Sanders is going to stay with this team, he's going to take a pretty big pay cut for that. I don't think he's going to come back. So Debo will pretty much step up to the wide receiver one, unless you want to count George Kittle's wide receiver one, which he practically is. But, uh, you know, Debo, rookie year, had uh, 80-some targets, and on top of that, 15 or so rushes, uh, eight total touchdowns or seven total touchdowns, uh, actually six total touchdowns. I apologize for that. Um, but, you know, he was a he was heavily targeted, uh, even in the playoffs, by Jimmy G. He, he quickly, you know, got this trust by Jimmy G. And I think he's going to, uh, you know, even take a bigger step next year. You know, Kyle Shanahan loves the guy. Got him involved with rushing the football uh, several times, um, using him for some trick plays. And 81 targets for a rookie is, is very good. Um, if, if Sanders is out of the way, uh, someone has to step up there. You know, this team is kind of. Uh, you know, kind of spread the ball around type of thing. But Samuels was kind of the one consistent on this team outside of a George Kittle, uh, especially the wide receiver forefront. So I think he can play that wide receiver two next year. 
especially with those, you know, that rushing upside where he can grab another two or three t- uh, rushing touchdowns for you on the season. I think he could be a consistent wide receiver too next year, especially given the fact that he did finish last year on the tear. He was a pretty consistent wide receiver. I don't know what his current to date was, but he pretty much had double digit fancy points all but one game after week 10. That's very good. He's a rookie, just like Nate said. If he's having glory and gushing opinions about him, I'm sold personally. Emmanuel Sanders is an older wide receiver. I was very high on him last year coming into the draft season. But it just – he does look like he has, like, some rapport with Jimmy G, but he's getting older. He's very injury-prone. He miraculously survived last year. But I see it's Debo Samuel's wide receiver – core to own and he's going to be making some splash plays next year yeah um i think debo can be a consistent wide receiver too i'm i'm only a little nervous because you know he is look he started off the gates kind of strong and then he got hurt and then he kind of played mediocre and then once you know sanders came he kind of took some pressure i think off debo and debo ended up having like a really strong second half of the season so i'm hoping that you know he doesn't see that stronger coverage now being possibly the number one wide receiver on the team, um, unless they bring somebody else in or Sanders comes back. So, But I think he can be that consistent throughout. They kind of get very creative using Samuels. They use him a lot of you know end-arounds and things like that. So they get him the ball as much as possible. They know they, they see him as a player who they need to get the ball in their hand, his hands because he can just do so much with it once it's in his hands. So I think he could be. Uh, other guys, just to quickly look out for, guys, maybe you're hearing more as training com- training camp comes by, but Jalen Hurd, I'm a huge fan of this guy still, uh, st- being able to step up next year, you know, injury guy. and uh, Another guy who I've been hearing out there is Trent Taylor. Nate, um, apparently he was hurt last year too, and apparently if he could get in that slot role, he could have been much more a uh, big part of this team last year. Yeah, I was going to mention uh, before we moved on, Trent, uh, not Trent Taylor, but uh, Jalen Hurd, he was a rookie last year taken. He is like a Debo, like a, you know, a running back in a wide receiver's body, <clears throat> or the other way around, wide receiver and running back's body. But Trent Taylor was someone I was very high on as well. Uh, this will be his third year. He played uh, 2017 with his rookie year. Saw 60 targets, you know, slot guy, tough guy. Plays the ball very well, good route runner, things of that nature. And I think he'll be a very good on asset for Jimmy G, you know, get the ball in his hands quickly, uh, runs crisp routes under, underneath routes, you know, short routes. I think this is ideal for what Jimmy G needs uh, moving forward. Uh, Adebo, Jalen Hurd, you know, you have your George Kittle and a Trent Taylor. I think this is a fantastic, this is exactly what a Jimmy G needs for next year. Definitely. So keep you guys on them as we get closer to training camp because they could end up popping up as a later round value if, you know, if they actually do you know, see more, you know, opportunity as we get closer to the season. But one last thing real quick before we finish up here, guys, and it's probably an easy answer here, but I got to ask it anyway, you know, can George Kittle be the tight end one in 2020 and pass Travis Kelsey? Yeah, I don't see why he couldn't, you know, it's it's hard to pass Travis Kelsey because of uh, that offense is going to throw the ball, you know, so much more than the 49ers are, but, you know, in the chances that, or that the 49ers give, uh, give George Kittle. He competes with Travis Kelsey. Uh, you know, Kittle is what was he? He was I forget who who did the uh, statistics, but was named the best overall football player in the league. Uh, but on top of that, you know, Kittle is instrumental in the uh, running game as well. So if the if the Forty Nineers are dominating on the ground, he's not going to touch the ball. When they played uh, 
But when they played that game in Baltimore, where it was a 14-13 or whatever it was, he barely touched the ball because he was blocking so well that game. And that's what George Kittle does for you. He's a difference maker. If he's not touching the ball, he's you know he's setting up blocks. He's pretty much a third left. He's a third tackle out there. Um, fantastic player. Uh, you know I just don't think the Flyers in their system, as we mentioned so many times before, give enough volume, give enough passing for him to pass Travis Kelsey. Uh, you know, to claim that tight end uh, one, you know, uh, I guess title, but uh, you know he's going to be tight end two, tight end three if you know if uh, Zach Ertz you know returns to form or things of that nature. But he's definitely a top two, top three fantasy tight end, no matter how long he'll be in the league for. Yeah, the sky's the limit with Kittle. He's definitely the best tight end in the league, in my opinion. But not, he's not the best fantasy tight end, given that Travis Kelsey plays with the. Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. So I'm still going to put my dollar on Kelsey, but I'll take Kittle any day of the week. Yeah, Kittle is, I think, is a solid tight end for your fantasy teams. I don't think he passes Kelsey, per se, because I think Kelsey just sees more opportunity in the passing game than Kittle does, being, you know, that guy, like Nate was saying, as a blocker, as a more of a run-first team. But, uh, you know, he's a solid tight end for you. I think he finishes in that, you know, two to four range next year. Uh, he's just some guy you really want on your team. I think you might be able to get him at even more of a discount value. I think he was going in the third last year. There's a good chance you can get him in the fourth next year and, you know, stock up on those wide receivers and running backs early and then get, you know, your tight end in the fourth round. So it'd be real interesting to see, you know, how much he's used because he kind of had a, somewhat of a downer year compared to his big year last year, but he should be able to kind of see somewhere in the middle of that and have a really good fantasy season for us. Yeah, if I'm getting Ken in the fourth, I am as happy as could be. Yeah, I think he was like a third-round guy last year, mid-third yeah. rounder. I think he drops just a little bit because, you know, guys like Mark Andrews and Darren Waller all come up, and, you know, Zach Ertz is still up there in some sense. So he may fall a little bit down that board but still be a dominant tight end for you. But that is the end of our episode, guys. That was the NFC West. That was the last of our division reviews. It felt like it took months before we did this, but we're finally finished with it. We're going to be moving on to some bigger and better things for the next couple months. You know, free agency's coming up. The draft's coming up. So, you know, keep your eye on that. And, you know, I didn't mention this always in the beginning of the show anymore for some reason, but at the end I always do at this point now. But, you know, definitely go check out our website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. We have our off-season rankings, articles, these episodes. My live streams are up there. The podcast Twitter page at Coaches Fantasy. Uh, you can follow me at Coach Stephen P. And, guys, let everyone know where they can see you at. And then, Nate, let everyone know where they can follow the We Know Fantasy uh, brand. You can follow me at Hot Take Hot Show on Twitter. All right, you can find uh, me at uh, We Know Fantasy. That's uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at We Know Fantasy. Also, you can visit our website, WeKnowFantasy.com, for a lot of great fantasy sports content. Yeah, so go check them out. Go check us out, guys. We appreciate you guys for listening into the into this episode. And until next time, uh, take care, guys.